Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. Welcome again to another edition of Wiffle's Press Box Podcast. I am elated, not just happy, I'm elated to be joined by the one and only Jerry Cap. Oh, that's quite an introduction, Gary. You, you know what? I worked on that intro probably what two seconds. <laughs> I think you say two days. I, I, I put a lot of time and effort into that. <laughs> you guys did a life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As you know, and as I know, and any uh, professional basketball fan knows, the NBA draft will be this coming Thursday, the 21st. We'll be talking a little bit tonight about the Milwaukee Bucks, who have the 17th overall selection for the second straight year. And we will also be talking about the rest of the NBA and how things could get really interesting on draft night. I'm hearing a lot of rumors already. This is being recorded on a Sunday night, and rumors are flying everywhere. I mean, I've probably heard probably anywhere between six to eight trades already. Whether they materialize or not, who knows? But there is certainly a lot of chatter in the air. And Let's start out by uh, talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we, we noted that they have the 17th pick overall, just like they did a year ago. Well, then, can I ask you a question real quick? Uh-oh. <laughs> you go right ahead. Do you think that the Bucks will hold on to that pick, or will they trade it? What's your gut feeling sitting here three, four days before the draft? Wow, you come out firing right away. I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to be helpful. My, my uh, gut feeling is they are going to trade the pick. And I've said that for a couple of weeks. The reasoning being that they are now in a situation where I think they have their core players intact. They're ready to make a move, whether it's via the trade route, via free agency. They're not that far away. Who knows? Uh, you and I have talked about this on numerous occasions. You know, since the playoffs. You know, if they probably would have had one more good player in in the mix, they might have beat Boston, advanced yeah. to the second round, and then who knows what happens. Right. I think that's the sentiment within the Bucks organization that if we can go out and get another veteran player, I heard possibly a veteran wing player okay. who can come in and, and give them you know, 20, 25 minutes of quality basketball, right. they could give up that uh, 17th pick, maybe another player, and go from there. So Interesting. Okay. I was kind of curious because, you again, you and I have talked about this, and the more I think about it, the, the more I'm of the opinion that they're going to trade that pick. You do too. For me, I don't see any reason for them to keep the pick because a 17th pick is probably going to be somebody who's going to sit on the bench, who's going to be that number 10 through 12 player. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see them trade that pick and get somebody that can come in and, like you said, come off the bench and give them 20 to 25 minutes and maybe a proven quality scorer off the, off the bench. So I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. And if you recall, last year they had the 17th pick. And, you know, basketball fans get fired up because it's, quote, a first-round pick. Yeah. And last year they took D.J. Wilson. Well, how much did D.J. Wilson contribute to the Bucks last year? I think, what was it, like 20, <laughs> yeah. 22 games and 21 points? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe uh, he ran out and got Jimmy Johns for everybody at <laughs> halftime or something. He's freaky fast or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. But even going back before that, Thon Maker, that was when they had the 10th pick yeah. where you should legitimately get a good player. And they got Thon Maker, and, you know, Thon has been – up and down. I mean, yeah. you, you just don't know yet if he's going right. to be able to take his game to the next level. I hope so because I like Don a lot. I think he's a wonderful human being. And, yeah. 
and I do believe that eventually he's going to be a pretty solid player. Yeah. You know, going back to your point about the playoffs, I agree. I think they were one or two players away, and for them to hold on to that pick and say, okay, we're going to develop a player for the future, mm -hmm. just to me doesn't make sense. Now, there's the second part of my question to you is this. How much effect, or is there any effect, with Jabari Parker? If he's going to be around or not going to be around, how do you think that plays into who the Bucks? If they hang under the draft, uh, draft pick, or if they trade it. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. I, I really don't think it has any bearing on what they're okay. going to do with the 17th pick. I, my gut feeling, and again, I've said this for several weeks, if not longer, that I don't expect Jabari Parker to come back. I hope he does come back. Yeah. I like Jabari Parker, the person. I like Jabari Parker, the player. And more importantly, I think he'd really help the Bucks get to where they want to be. Especially in the playoffs. It, it, exactly. I mean, you just don't find talented players like Jabari Parker right. uh, every day. But again, my gut feeling is they're going to do a sign-and-trade with Jabari Parker, try to get a player or two for him, even though they're not going to get equal compensation. No yeah. team's going to give up a great player when they know he's a free agent. You know? Absolutely. So the Bucks obviously don't want to pay the money. I heard again yesterday that... There's going to be one or two teams that possibly could throw max money at them. And, mm -hmm. and are the Bucks going to come along and say, hey, we're going to give you that kind of money, and, and it would be more money than Giannis on Canupo? Yeah. I don't think so. And in the bigger picture, you got to wonder if Jabari's really happy you know, in Milwaukee with his situation. So yeah. a, lot of, a lot of things, but I mean, that's not going to hit the fan until you know July 1st right. when they start a free agency. Yeah. So. And that's why I was curious if you thought that had any bearing as to how the Bucks drafted. You know, the, the intriguing thing, though, about this draft... You know, the Bucks. one of their biggest needs is a perimeter shooter, okay? And incredibly enough, where they're picking at 17, there's just a glut of shooting guards, okay? Yeah. Not all of them are, you know, Clay Thompson <laughs> caliber shooters, right. but they're yeah. good shooters. But, I mean, just listen to this list. They Lonnie Walker, Miami, Jair Smith, Texas Tech, Dante uh, DiVincenzo, Villanova. We've got Kevin Herter of Maryland, Troy Brown of Oregon, Jerome Robinson, of Boston College, Kyrie Thomas, Creighton, Gary Trent to Duke, and got, you know, I probably missed somebody, you know, in here too. But all those guys are legitimate mid to late first round picks. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the Bucks could pick any of these guys, you know, and, yeah. and I don't think anybody's going to uh, question it because I think in the eyes of most NBA scouts, they believe all these guys are basically in the same boat, which goes back to my thinking like, okay, if there's not much difference, how good are all these guys, you know? There, right. There's no separation, so, so yeah. go, go trade the pick. Yeah. And then you got a couple other guys, uh, point guard Shea Gil Gilgis Alexander from Kentucky, who I expect to be gone before they get a pick, Aaron Holiday. I was going to say, that could be the guy, but the problem is the Phoenix Suns are picking 16th, one spot ahead of them. Yeah. And my sources tell me that the Suns want a point guard. They're going to take DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick, as the center. Who, by the way, Rachel Nichols of ESPN said the other day there was no clear-cut number one pick. Mm -hmm. Either she's got incredible sources <laughs> or she hasn't been following the draft for the last two months because yeah. everybody in the world is claiming DeAndre Ayton is going to the Suns. You know? It I just mean, seems like a natural pick. Yeah, I mean, Arizona guy, they need a center. You know, yeah. he's, he's very talented. Yeah, you know clearly he is the number one guy, unless of course he's got you know some great source in the Phoenix organization, but yeah. uh, to come out that. But then there's a kid named Okobo from France whose stock is rising, point guard, 
And then you got Robert Williams and uh, Mitchell Robinson as potential center picks in that area. I think Williams will be gone, but you never know. And uh, you got uh, Miles Bridges from Michigan State, a forward. So you have a lot of people there <laughs> that, that they could take. You know? Not only do you have a lot of people, but you have a lot of guys that probably have in parentheses after their names potential. Exactly. Again, it gets back to our discussion before. Are you drafting for next year or are you drafting for four years down the road? Um, I did a little bit of research on the draft last year. You know, 60 players drafted and you had about half of them, 31 of them, that played 40 or more games last year, okay? Only 10 of those 60 players averaged 10 or more points. Isn't that amazing? Only seven of them averaged five rebounds or more a game. Only three averaged four assists or more a game. And only 16 of them played 20 or more minutes a game. So I think the, the overall census is that of these players that you're drafting, you're not going to see a lot of them on the court for no. a significant amount of time. Absolutely. So you're saying like basically one-fourth of the two rounds, you're going to get any kind of quality minutes from a guy, you know? Correct. But again, I mean, like we had touched on earlier, DJ Wilson was yeah. useless, you know? So, And you go back before that, the year before was Thon, the year before that was Rashad Vaughn, who's no longer in the league, Correct. you know? Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, and the Bucks uh, have not had uh, a great history of drafting especially when the draft has been to only two rounds. Correct. Because we've had a lot of years where the number two pick or the second round pick for the Bucks has basically done better than the first round pick. And you beat me to the punch here because I was going to bring that up. While I truly believe that they're going to trade their number one pick, mm -hmm. I think they're going to acquire a second round pick via purchasing one or making a trade. Yeah. And uh, for the last, uh, gosh, two, almost three weeks now, they have been bringing in just a ton of second-round candidates. Yeah. And for a team that doesn't have a second-round candidate, you know, why would you bring those guys in? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an exercise. It's not, I don't think it's a smoke screen. So. No, no. Yeah. It's not. It's an exercise in futility, if it is. Yeah. And you're, you're wasting all that money for travel, for hotel arrangements. Right. And more importantly, you're wasting your coaching staff's time exactly. when, when they could be doing something else. So yeah. I will say this for the Bucks: They are one of the best teams in the NBA when it comes to unearthing gems in the second round. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, it was Malcolm Brogdon, Brogdon yeah. who, was, you know, who would have been a first-round pick if not for some real serious foot injuries. Yeah. And uh, there, there's still questions looming about his injury going forward. But nevertheless, he was Rookie of the Year, so, you know, yeah. great, great selection. Yeah. And then he had a guy like Michael Redd and uh, even like Luke Mamute, Ursan Ilyasova, Jody yeah. Meeks. I mean, you know, go right down the line. Yeah. To get players of that caliber in the second round is a credit to uh, their, their scouting department, although their scouting department is basically all gone now, except for Dave Babcock, yeah. who uh, should probably be the head of the scouting department, <laughs> but isn't. Yeah. That, that's a whole other story. Here's another quick thing, too. If you look at the Bucks, have had four picks that have been the 17th pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. They've had the 17th pick four times. Back in 1969, they, they chose a player by the name of Bob Grecian. I remember him forward. Uh, 1971, a player by the name of Collis Jones. Absolutely, Notre Dame, right? Never played a game in the NBA. And then 2015, the 17th pick, Richard Vaughn. Mm -hmm. And then last year, DJ Wilson. Not a real good history <laughs> there of 17th picks, so. Yeah, with that organization. I've been curious to see what if there have been some gems. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that. I do did have you look some, at that? I did. Wow. The best number 17 pick 
that has played the most games career-wise in the NBA, Don Nelson, 1,053. No kidding. Yeah. Now there's a gem. Nice job. And then the best, or the player that was the 17th pick in the draft that had the highest points per game average, Richie Guerin, oh, wow. 17.3. We're getting back in time here. I know. The player, the 17th pick with the most rebounds per game, Sean Kemp. Now that was one hell of a That's a nice number 17 seven. pick. That's a, you know what? And, and it's interesting that you said that because there's a kid in this draft named uh, Mitchell Robinson. He's uh-huh. a seven-footer. Standout in Louisiana, high school standout in Louisiana, was going to go to Western Kentucky, decided not to play at Western Kentucky, and pr- decided to prepare for the draft. Well... Nobody knows a lot about this guy, yeah. and teams are wondering, hey, should we expend a first-round pick on this guy yeah. or not? Because there's not a lot of information on him. Right. But by all intents and purposes, and I had a chance to talk to Kron Butler uh, about a week or so ago about him. Yeah. Uh, Kron's agent is Raymond Brothers, who also is the agent for this kid. Yeah. And Kron swears by him. He thinks he's going to be a big-time player. Really? So if you're the Bucks, do you say, let's keep the pick and roll the dice and, yeah. and say, hey, let's take this kid in two, three years. Who knows? We might have something special here. Yeah. Or do you say, hey, we stay away from it like most teams probably will, and he falls to late in the first round. And, yeah. But I, I think that's a kid that, yeah. you know, three, four years from now, people might be saying, like Sean Kemp, right. how could he be the 17th, 17th pick? Well, and I just want to mention one more. The, the number 17th pick that had the most assists per game, Drew Holiday. You mentioned his brother as yeah. a potential pick. So Yeah, Aaron Holiday, right. Um, Drew was a, a, a number 17 pick wow. in the draft. So Interesting stuff there. You know, another guy that the Bucks are looking for, that I mentioned before, is Gary Trent. Of, Why is that uh, name familiar, Gary? Because I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> he, his father was uh, drafted by the Bucks. Yeah, and people don't remember this because he, his tenure with the Bucks was short-lived. He was quickly traded to uh, Portland in order for the Bucks to move up in the draft to select. Let's test your memory. Here. I'm going to guess Ray Allen. Good try. You're, you're in the right ballpark, right position, but it was Sean Rusford. That's <laughs> yeah. what I know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know. Exactly. So it's funny you mentioned Ray Allen. I mean, you and I have talked about this, but on draft night when the Bucks selected Stephon Marbury, the crowd just went nuts. I mean, Buck Nation was just absolutely ecstatic. Yeah. Short time later, they announced that they had traded Stephon Marbury to Minnesota for Ray Allen. Yeah. And there was this cascade of boos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. I, I think that trade turned out pretty well for the Bucks. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely. I mean, once again, you know, I mean, I give fans a lot of credit for being interested in it. There, there's a lot of fans that, you know, take this pretty seriously. They love my right. drafts. It, but... Nine out of ten times, the team knows what it's doing. And I'll give you another example. When uh, the Indiana Pacers had a, a mid-first-round pick, there was tremendous pressure on them to take Steve Elford. Remember him? Yeah, I do. Mr. Mr. Indiana? Yeah. One of the most popular players in Indiana history. Yeah. And Donnie Walsh was the general manager at the time for the Indiana Pacers. And he ticked off every one in Pacer Nation by taking... 
Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So how did so, that turn out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, you know, fans, you know, have to understand that you know these guys do a little more research. They spend countless hours, you know, checking the background of these players oh, yeah. and, and so forth. So, you know, and the interesting thing, Gary, is even if you try to analyze this, it's not an exact science. No, I mean, not look at, all. at look at the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. When they have their draft, most of these guys that get drafted, you're not even seeing them in the majors until four or five years from now. In the NBA, a lot of these guys that are getting drafted, you know, maybe you get a handful like Jason Tatum that, you know, have a good rookie season. But, uh, you know, and then in the NFL, there's an expectation that you draft somebody in the first round that they're going to be an immediate contributor. So it is, again, it's not an exact science. But it is interesting how the different professional sports have different expectations with their their higher draft choices. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing about the NBA draft is Aiton obviously is the clear-cut number one choice. Yeah. But after that, and then it really does get murky. And one of the reasons is a kid named Michael Porter, who has just tremendous, tremendous skills. Yeah. And uh, he, he could be a better Nowitzki. I mean, he, he's got it all. He can pass, shoot, yeah. rebound, defend, whatever. And he could go as high as number two, but he's got back issues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of concern about him. I mean, he could, if his medical reports are correct, and, you know, the Sacramento Kings really believe in this guy, he could go number two. Yeah. Now, if his medical reports aren't as good as some people might be led to believe, I mean, I, for one, would never draft a guy with back problems. I just don't. I've seen too many guys in the NBA over the years that once they had a back problem, they always have a back problem. It never goes away. But anyways, he could free fall, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, by free fall, I mean late, late lottery, maybe 10, 11, 12, until somebody, I think, you know, decides, hey, he's just too good to pass up. The other thing about this draft and it's like every draft, there, there's rumblings about trades, but like I said at the outset of this uh, podcast, I, I've been hearing crazy talk all week about teams trying to lo- unload picks, and mm-hmm. the Atlanta Hawks are, are in a rebuild mode. I think everybody knows that. They, they have a new coach, yeah. and uh, I was told by one guy that basically anybody on their team is available, yeah. so, and there's some pretty good players on that team. Yeah. They also have you know, a high pick. Uh, number three, in which I'm hearing that if the right trade comes along, they'd be willing to trade back. Then they also have multiple picks. Yeah. So they could be real active. I heard the Clippers, who have two uh, mid-first-round picks, would like to trade one or package it and move up, you yeah. know? And then, of course, you got the Bucks. They're, they're willing to wheel and deal. And yeah. they got Utah at 21 mm-hmm. that is ready to wheel and deal. So yeah. I think it's just going to be fascinating. And, and based on the conversations I've had with several NBA people, they fully expect fireworks on draft right. night. You know what my favorite part of the draft is? Listening to the experts talk when a foreign player is drafted. Uh-huh. When somebody ends up on that draft board and I think nowadays you're probably a better understanding of who these players are that are foreign players but years ago I remember watching drafts where a foreign player would get drafted and everybody's like scurrying around who is this guy who did he play for why did he get chosen you know sixth or seventh or the top ten you know 
and I think the, the way the game is developing, there are a lot of players that are playing overseas mm-hmm. that probably could come over and make a significant impact well, in the I, NBA and, and do it quickly, too. And the first guy that comes to mind is Giannis. When the Bucks drafted right. Giannis, everybody was like, who is Giannis? Yeah. And I spent a fair amount of time, you know, in the weeks leading up to the draft, you know, focusing primarily on the Bucks pick. And You probably didn't have him on your draft board, did you? Until the day before, believe it or not. Because really? I thought this guy was going to be a late first-round pick, maybe even second-round pick. Okay. I got tipped off by a guy who was very close to the situation, mm-hmm. and he said the Bucks are going to seriously look at him at 17. He didn't say they were going to take him, yeah. but he said he's definitely on their short list. And then I found out Atlanta also liked him, and Atlanta was picking, uh, I think, two picks after him. Okay. I thought, okay, it's, it, it's definitely feasible that he's going to go in that area. Right. But I never thought the Bucks would pull the trigger because yeah. this guy played in Greece against like just really, yeah. really bad competition. Right. I mean, I talked to one NBA scout, in fact, about a week before that draft about him, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Yeah, he was he was playing against equivalent of a NCAA Division three B team." Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. that's how bad it was. Yeah. And uh, but you know. The Bucks had nothing to lose. They, they swung right. for the fences, and which is an interesting. And it's an interesting point now because with you saying that, that makes me wonder: Are there other players that are playing overseas that aren't playing against really good competition that could develop into a Giannis type player? But maybe they're not going to get looked at, or they're not going to get drafted because people are looking at them saying, "Well, they're not playing against anybody. They're playing in some." Egypt League or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. But are there guys that have the skill set? The NBA does a pretty good job of scouting, you know, globally. Yeah. But again, like Giannis is the guy that fell through the cracks. I mean, if the draft was done all over again, obviously it'd be the first oh, pick. Yeah. You know. Right. But going back to that draft, I remember talking to someone, and they told me that the Dallas Mavericks didn't even have anything on Giannis except some grainy film. Yeah. And you know the Mavericks do a pretty thorough job of re- looking at players all all around the world. Yeah. And for them to only have that little of information to me is absolutely inexcusable. Yeah. My favorite moment of the draft that was, as much as I like Danny Ainge, it shows that nobody is infallible, like you said, <laughs> when it comes to the draft. Yeah. That draft in which Giannis was in, the Celtics are drafting behind the Bucks. Okay. Yeah. Well, they moved up during the draft. And I, for one, thought, hey, maybe they're going to roll the dice because I heard Danny Ainge had seen Giannis play. Yeah. And they were going to go after Giannis, right? Mm-hmm. They took Kelly Olenek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Moving yeah. up. But I mean, here, here yeah. they could have, you know, the great Danny Ainge could have had, could have had Giannis. Giannis and yeah. he think, my goodness, can you imagine Giannis on that team? Yeah. You know, I mean, how things would have been different right. and, and yeah. so forth. But it just shows you that nobody's infallible when it comes to draft, whether it's baseball, football, basketball. It, it is know. a crapshoot. So uh, any other uh, thoughts you uh, might have on the draft before we call uh, it a wrap? I don't think so. I think you've said it before. It's going to be very interesting to see how this shakes out, especially with the potential of a lot of different trades and teams moving out of the first round and trying to move into it. So, yeah, it will be interesting. Well, thank you very much for uh, your always insightful comments well, and, and dropping by our palatial Studio I in, love this, in, I love in Caledonia, studios. Wisconsin. <laughs> so, <laughs> the metropolis. Metropolis. So, thanks to all of you for uh, listening, and we'll uh, be talking again next week. Take care.
For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.